telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. Stay back, heathens! Whoa! Who are you going for? You work for her, don't you? Who? The High Priestess. She wanders these parts. Feeds off the souls of the remaining townsfolk in this cursed place. I swear to you that we do not, sir. We are assisting a woman named Allegra. Now please, lower your weapon. Don't make me resolve this situation. Did you say Allegra? I haven't heard that name for a long time. She was the healer in Ravendown, until the priest accused her of being a witch. She disappeared before the testing began. She was another innocent person accused, and her town missed her healing touch when she was gone. That's when the High Priestess really attacked our town. So you know Allegra? I do. She, she's healed my daughter many times. Beautiful woman, that one. How did you end up here? Last memory from Ravendown was dragging the High Priestess to the center of town. We impaled her on a stake and began to burn her. Wow. She was deserving of such treatment? She murdered my family. She murdered many other people. And if they weren't murdered... She drained them to the point where they weren't lucid anymore. They became shells of their former selves, like most of the people here. When she started the burn, loud whispers could be heard. The sky screamed and she was struck by lightning. Everything went bright and then I woke up here. She's changed form and she appears in smoke. I've been chasing her ever since. She's close. We are collecting the seals to complete the barrier. So that the dark entities will be trapped again. Did you hear that? We must go. Wait. Who are you? I'm Jimmy and this is my friend. Nathaniel, I must go. I must stop her. Goodbye. A lot more going on here than we thought. We must tread carefully, friend. Let's go through this door here. At the bottom of the garden. Written by Emma Catherine. Narrated by Zoe Ricard. I buried my dead self at the bottom of the garden. I couldn't stand looking at her stupid, naive face anymore. Killing the old me had been harder than expected. I'd grabbed a loose edge and unpeeled myself from the husk of her, like a moth shaking loose from its cocoon. It was alarmingly straightforward, although I hadn't expected it to take so long. 
There's a reason why those videos of insects emerging from their chrysalises are always in a time-lapse. Now I know why. We both made a lot of noise during the whole ordeal. She cried pathetically until the very end. I screamed. Bloody hurt. Bloody being the opportune word. Once free of her, I was caked with her blood. She had made such a mess, just as she had when she'd been alive. Afterwards, I stood under the shower washing her off me and weeping as the water cleaned my new flesh. It stung. Looking in the steam-coated mirror, I really did appear to be a new person. My eyes were brighter than hers and even my hair looked fuller. Not that anyone other than me would have noticed. That didn't matter, though. I didn't kill her for anyone else. I killed her just for me. None of her old clothes suited me. That was fine for now. I still had a dirty job ahead of me, and I could go shopping later. To make do, I pulled on tracksuit bottoms and a loose-fitted jumper. My God, it was like she'd been trying to dress to make herself as invisible as possible. That was all over now. I would not be invisible. As the sun fell and I was sure the neighbours were all inside, I dragged her carcass outside. She was much lighter than I'd anticipated. Just an empty shell of gore and skin. I was actually a little surprised she even had a shovel, considering I'd never seen her do any gardening in our lifetime. But there it was, leaning against the shed and glinting in the moonlight. It was practically winking at me, begging me to take it. So I buried her, as far down the garden as I could, practically under the fence. I decided that I'd need to plant something over her. Had to give the neighbours a reason to believe in for me digging up the garden. I added bedding plants to my to-do list. The digging had been an arduous job, one my fresh body was not accustomed to. Sweat lashed off me and my hands were raw from the work. This was more work than she had ever done too. No wonder I was struggling. For a moment, I stood over the fresh grave and cursed her for giving us a useless body. Everything hurt and I wanted to cry, but I refused to. Crying was something she would do, not the new me. I staggered inside and slammed the door behind me, tired and panting. I glanced around. This wasn't my house. This was her house, and it was disgusting. Maybe it was the pain of emerging from her or the struggle of burying her but I suddenly hated the old me even more. I wanted to tear everything down. The beige wallpaper, the cream curtains, the shitty little knickknacks that were nothing but nice. So much of this goddamn house was just nice. A scream gurgled up in my throat, but instead of letting it out, I swallowed it and did something better. I got to work. By the time the morning came, I'd had barely more than a nap and the kitchen was filled with bin bags, each one packed with crap. I piled them up in the car and drove them to the nearest dump, disposing of a whole life in one fell swoop. The next few days were a whirlwind of shopping, decorating and turning that hovel into something I could really nest in. She'd been a skinflint, only spending money when she really had to, and saving all the rest. What was she saving it for? I'll never know. And I didn't really care either. It was my money now. I bought clothes she would never dream of. Coloured jeans and plaid skirts, scoop neck tops and skater dresses, patterned tights and faux leather boots. 
I tried every outfit on and I enjoyed it. Even she would have looked good in these, but she was simply too afraid to ever find out. Going for a haircut was the best of all. I got all her mousy hair chopped off in one fell swoop. The hairdresser grinned at the end and said she barely recognised me. Good. That was the point. Back home, I filled the newly exposed soil in the garden with deep red flowers. It felt apt. When I'd finished planting, I placed my hand in the dirt. The earth felt warm here. I knew I was imagining it, but I couldn't help but think she was still alive down there, lying, waiting, holding her breath for me, burning a flame of anger for what I was doing to our life. But that's ridiculous. She was dead, nothing else to it. I did my best to take my mind off the body in the garden by transforming the house. I painted the bedroom a beautiful deep mauve and put down a thick rug that caressed my toes. The lounge got a subtle striped grey wallpaper. I added colourful cushions and curtains and they popped against the delicate walls. When it came to the kitchen, I adorned the room with a warm amber glow, the kind that invited you to enjoy a cup of tea in its embrace. At some point during my grand design project, her boss from that terrible call centre job rang and asked what we were playing at. I told him to shove his job up his ass and hung up. Now that did feel good. I would need to find something to do for work though. I looked around at my beautiful new home and decided that design was my calling. A week passed of creating a CV that shone and applying for jobs. This new life thing was worth all the hard work. I tapped away at a laptop at the kitchen table, sending cold emails to every design company in the city. I'd already sent applications for all of the open positions, so why not chance my arm? As I hit send on a particularly confident email, I looked out the kitchen window and was horrified. Between the flowers, fingers sprouted from the soil. She was pointing at me, damning me for what I'd done, for stealing her life and making it better. My almost empty mug of tea fell to the floor and shattered, but I was too preoccupied by what was outside. I stormed out the back door, grabbing the garden shears on my way, and I set about pruning the flora. I chopped off the fingers and the flower heads, not caring which was which. The ground was a mess of red. Blood and petals were indistinguishable from one another. I gathered up the evidence and disposed of it in my garden waste bin. The digits and the dead plants were now destined to become compost. I raked my own fingers through the dirt but found no hands where the fingers had come from. Surely a tiny earthquake or something had pushed her up from below. But no, I gave up and went back inside, exhausted and shaking. The remnants of my mug lay on the floor. I bent down and picked up the shattered fragments of ceramic slick with cold tea. One of them cut my thumb and I yelped. I watched it bleed until I could compose myself. This wasn't happening. I shook myself off finished cleaning my mess and went back to the job hunt. I knew what she was up to. She wasn't going to stop me. This was my life now. Shortly after, I replaced the massacred flower bed with sunflowers. Something bright and cheery and difficult to hide the extremities in. And I managed to secure not one, but three job interviews. Shrugging off this ridiculous episode, I looked forward to an exciting future. And luckily, at least five of my new outfits were interview appropriate. Two out of the three interviews offered me a position. Taking my pick, I went for the one that would allow me the most artistic freedom, and even luckier, 
a healthy paycheck. Everything was really going swimmingly. The people in the office loved me and I made friends immediately with two of my co-workers, something she would never have done. A few weeks into the job, I invited my co-workers over for dinner. I discovered a new love of cooking, much more so than her. She had practically lived on toast, ramen and junk food throughout her entire lives. It was a delight to get to eat real food and even better, learn to cook it myself. My colleagues complimented my stunning decor and we spent the night laughing around the dinner table. Wine was poured and I felt at ease in a way she never had around others. Oh, wow, one of the women said in between bites of dessert. Homemade tiramisu. What interesting sunflowers, she commented, looking out of the kitchen window. They kind of look like they're looking at us, right? My vibrant smile vanished as I looked out to see what she was talking about. The disc at the centre of every flower was made up entirely of eyes. Hundreds and hundreds of tiny eyes staring at us. She was out there, looking in on my new life and watching everything. Panic swelled within me, and I tried to remain calm in front of my brand new friends. I ordered them online, this um, wonderful place down in London. I lied, knowing I had just picked them up from the local garden centre. They do the most unique plants. They're so weird, the other woman said. I mean, like, in a nice way. What can I say? <laughs> I forced out a fake laugh. I, I do love weird. The rest of the night drifted by me in a daze. I could no longer laugh and joke. Now I knew that she was watching. She was ruining everything. I was losing my chance to be funny and interesting. Now I could only think about her. Eventually my co-workers left. I was clearly giving off a vibe and they made excuses to go. It wasn't hard to see they didn't want to be around me any longer. But I waved them off in their taxis and pretended everything was fine. She had even destroyed this. Something I'd built for myself without any of her input. Once I was alone, I stormed back out to the garden and stared down the sunflower's eyes. Several of them blinked at once. That was all I needed. I dug the plants up and chopped off their heads with a shovel. Every eye closed and I swear I heard her sigh under that dirt, as if I had killed her all over again. I had to get her out of there, out of this garden, out of my life. So I grabbed the shovel and I dug, and I dug, and I dug. Nothing. There was no body down in the muck. Just a thin layer of grime as if something had melted and just left a rancid, sticky trace of what it once was. I ran my hands over the muck, making certain that there was no old version of myself down there. She was gone. Forever. There was nothing here in the dirt with me. I placed my filthy hands on my face and tried to wipe tears away, leaving only a terrible mess behind. I wept for what had been down there and what I thought she had ruined. It hadn't been her. It had never been her. I picked up a decapitated sunflower and held it against my chest, crying for the part of myself that I had lost. You've been listening to the Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. 
At the Bottom of the Garden was written by Emma Catherine. You can connect with her on Twitter at Girl of Gotham or on Twitch at www.twitch.tv forward slash Girl of Gotham. This episode was narrated by Zoe Ricard from the Stories of Strangeness podcast, where Zoe and Mike discuss all things on the topics of paranormal, folklore, cryptids, hauntings, and more. To check it out, head over to storiesofstrangeness.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Jimmy Horrors was performed by James Barnett. Nathaniel was performed by Brian Jeans. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. And as always, stay horrific, everyone.